Hey, Light Anglers. Today is February 16th. My name is Jack, and welcome to your daily episode of The Light Angle. This is your first time here. Welcome. I'll be spending the next 5 to 15 minutes talking about some stuff going on in the world and incorporating scripture into it. Before we get into today's topic, just a quick reminder, please be sure to leave a five-star review, rate, like, subscribe, whatever else you can do for us on the platform you're using to listen to the show. Here on the light angle, we try not to focus on the left or right angles, but rather try to find the light angle. We want to spread the good news of our King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and use that knowledge to better deal with the negativity we find ourselves living in day to day. Your five-star review and sharing of the show with others helps us to better spread the light angle and the word of God. All right, so today's topic. So we're going to get a little touchy today, a little uh, little controversial. We're going to talk about baptisms. So this uh, this can go all kinds of sideways if you want it to. <clears throat> you know, I have met many people who believe, you know, when babies are baptized, it doesn't count because the individual has to be able to make that decision on their own that they accept Jesus uh, as their Savior. I've met other people that, you know, feel as though baptisms have to be said a certain way. And yet others I've heard say that you have to be fully submerged in water. And even if like your pinky toe is not fully submerged in water during a baptism, it doesn't count. So we're not going to dive into all of that today. But what we are going to do is talk about this article that I found on NBC News. This is pretty interesting, and I'm going to combine it with scripture so we can get down to the uh, nitty gritty and, you know, dig up some uh, of the truth in the matter. <clears throat> so here on NBC News, the title is All Baptisms Performed by Phoenix Priest Invalid Because He Changed One Word. Oh, boy. A priest resigned earlier this month after his diocese discovered the baptisms he had performed were invalid because he had changed a single word while performing the sacrament. It is with sincere pastoral concern that I inform the faithful that baptisms performed by Reverend Andre Arango, a priest of the Diocese of Phoenix, are invalid. Bishop of the Diocese of Phoenix, Thomas J. Olmsted, announced in a letter last month. This determination was made after careful study by diocesan officials and through consultation, consultation with the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome, he wrote. Arango, who has been practicing as a priest for more than two decades, used the phrase, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, instead of I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The issue with using we is that it is not the community that baptizes a person. Rather, it is Christ and him alone who presides at all of the sacraments. And so it is Christ Jesus who baptizes Olmsted, said. The Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in 2020 clarified that using we during the first sacrament was not valid. It was immediately clear how many baptisms Arango performed. He also practiced in San Diego and Brazil. In a letter to his parish, Arango wrote, It saddens me to learn that I have performed invalid baptisms throughout my ministry as a priest by regularly using an incorrect formula. I deeply regret my error and how this was effect, has affected numerous people in your parish and elsewhere. <sighs> so it's crazy to me that uh, a priest of over two decades would feel as though there is a necessary formula for people accepting Christ and getting salvation. I don't, I don't think it works that way. I haven't read that in the Bible, but mind you, I don't have two decades worth of being a priest either. So instead of saying, oh, they're wrong, oh, this is crazy talk, 
Instead, let's put that in the back and talk about what exactly is baptism and specifically, is it necessary for salvation? So thankfully, Jack didn't have to come up with all this stuff by himself because there would be lots of holes left. Instead, I'm using a resource that I use quite often, uh, crosswalk.com. They, uh, they have a lot of people who work and write for them, but uh, more importantly, uh, they use the Bible. They use scripture uh, when it comes to answering questions. And I think, you know, that is something that we can rely on and we, and we should lean on. So uh, their article is actually, is baptism necessary for salvation? So number one, baptism and salvation in the Bible. The apostles, Peter and Paul, did not preach baptism was required for salvation. It is quite clear from such passages as Acts 15 and Romans 4 that no external act is necessary for salvation. Salvation is divine grace through faith alone. And if you have questions about that, you can look at look it up and it is in Romans 3:22, 24, 25, 26, 28, 30, 4, 5, and Galatians 2:16. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, and Philippians 3, 9. If water baptism were necessary for salvation, we would expect to find it stressed whenever the gospel is presented in Scripture. That is not the case, however. Peter mentioned baptism in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 38. However, in his sermon from Solomon's portico in the temple, Acts 3, 12 through 26, Peter makes no reference to baptism, but links forgiveness of sin to repentance. If baptism is necessary for the forgiveness of sin, why did Peter say so? Why didn't Peter say so in Acts 3? Good question. Paul never made water baptism any part of his gospel presentations. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul gives a concise summary of the gospel message he preached. There is no mention of baptism in 1 Corinthians 1.17. Paul states that Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, thus clearly differentiating the gospel from baptism. Those passages are difficult to understand if water baptism is necessary for salvation. If baptism were part of the gospel itself, necessary for salvation, what good would it have done Paul to preach the gospel but not baptize? No one would have been saved. Paul clearly understood water baptism to be separate from the gospel and hence in no way efficacious for salvation. Number two, Bible records many who records many who were saved before or without baptism. Perhaps the most convincing refutation of the view that baptism is necessary for salvation are those who were saved apart from baptism. The penitent woman in Luke 7, verses 37 through 50. The paralytic man in Matthew 9, 2. The publican in Luke 18, verses 13 and 14. And the thief on the cross, Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. All experience forgiveness of sins apart from baptism. For that matter, we have no record of the apostles being baptized, yet Jesus pronounced them clean of their sins in John 15, verse 3. The Bible also gives us an example of people who were saved before being baptized. In Acts 10, verses 44 through 48, Cornelius and those with him were converted through Peter's message. That they were saved before being baptized is evident from their reception of the Holy Spirit, verse 44, and the gifts of the Spirit, verse 46, before their baptism. Indeed, it is the fact that they had received the Holy Spirit and hence were saved that Peter, uh, that led Peter to baptize them. 
Number three, water baptism is not a cause of salvation, but a picture. A third possibility exists, as Wallace explains in Greek grammar beyond the basics. It is possible that to a first century Jewish audience, as well as to Peter, the idea of baptism might incorporate both the spiritual reality and the physical symbol. In other words, when one spoke of baptism, he usually meant both ideas, the reality and the ritual. Peter is shown to make the strong connection between these two in chapters 10 and 11. In 11, verses 15 through 16, he recounts the conversion of Cornelius and friends, pointing out that at the point of their conversion, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. After he had seen this, he declared, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit. The point seems to be that if they had have had the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit via, via spiritual baptism, there ought to be a public testimony, acknowledgement, via water baptism as well. This may not only explain Acts 2.38, but also why the New Testament speaks of only baptized believers, as far as we can tell. Water baptism is not a cause of salvation, but a picture, and as such, it serves both as a public acknowledgement by those who are present and a public confession by the converter that one has been spirit baptized. So, is baptism necessary for salvation debate? One of the basic principles of biblical interpretation is the analogia scriptura, which is the analogy analogy of scripture. We must compare scripture with scripture in order to understand its full and proper sense. Since the Bible doesn't contradict itself, any interpretation of specific passage that contradicts the general teaching of the Bible is to be rejected. Since the general teaching of the Bible is, as we have seen, that baptism and other forms of ritual are not necessary for salvation, no individual passage could teach otherwise. Thus, we must look for interpretations of those passages that will be in harmony with the general teaching of Scripture. With that in mind, let's look briefly at the passages that appear to teach that baptism is required for salvation. Number one, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 2.38. Here, Peter appears to link forgiveness of sins to baptism, but there are several plausible interpretations of the verse that do not connect forgiveness of sin with baptism. It is possible to translate the Greek preposition ais because of or on the basis of instead of for. It is used in that sense in Matthew 3.11. It is also possible to take the clause and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ as parenthetical. Support for that interpretation comes from the fact that repent and your are plural while be baptized is singular, thus setting it off from the rest of the sentence. Hmm. Number two. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, 16, a verse often quoted to prove baptism is necessary for salvation, is actually proof of the opposite. Notice that the basis for condemnation is that in that verse is not the failure to be baptized, but only the failure to believe. Baptism is mentioned in the first part of the verse because it is the outward symbol that always accompanied the inward belief. So you see what they're getting at here, you know, showing everyone that you've converted is not the first thing. The first thing is actually conversion and accepting Jesus Christ. 
All right, let me continue. Number three, and this water symbolizes that now, that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 3.21. Water baptism does not seem to be what Peter has in view in 1 Peter 3.21. The English word baptism is simply a transliteration, sorry, transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. Baptizo does not always refer to water baptism in the New Testament. And you can uh, look that up in Matthew 3, 11, Mark 1, 8, 7, 4, and 10, 38 through 39, Luke 3, 16, 11, 38, 12, 50, John 1, 33, Acts 1, 5, 11, 16, and 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 10, 2, and 12, 13. So Peter is not talking about immersion in water, as the phrase, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, indicates. He is referring to immersion in Christ's death and resurrection through an appeal to God for good conscience or repentance. Again, it is an outward act that saves, but the internal reality of the Spirit's regenerating work. Number four, Romans 6 and Galatians 3. I also do not believe water baptism is in view of Romans 6 or Galatians 3. I see in those passages a reference to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For detailed exposition of those passages, I refer you to the commentaries of Galatians and Romans on the transcripts of Galatians 3 and Romans 6. And finally, number five, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. In Acts twenty-two sixteen, Paul recounts the words of Ananias to him following his experience on the Damascus road. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It is best to connect the phrase, wash away your sins, with calling on his name, if we connect it with be baptized. The Greek part- participle, which stands for calling, would have no antecedent. Paul's sins were washed away not by baptism, but by calling on his name. Water baptism is certainly important and required of every believer. However, the New Testament does not teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. So I think that last sentence is very important and it should really answer everything. Water baptism is important, and reason it's important is it's our way as believers to showing the world that we are believers. It is a direct representation of our King of Kings. We are, when we're baptized, we're being submerged, we're being laid down, we're being put to death, if you will. Our sin is. And when we emerge from the water, we are reborn with the Holy Spirit, living a new life in Christ. Our sins are washed away. They're gone. So yes, you can say it's all figurative, but it's, it is important because, you know, this is the life we're choosing to live and what better way to do it. It's actually a celebration. It's a big deal, you know, and to go back to the original story, I think we're missing the point of all of this. If we're canceling out all those baptisms that were done as a representation of our faith, because one word was used in vice of another. We were still baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the real takeaway here, isn't it? I mean, if we're quibbling over we and I, I don't know, we might have bigger issues than, you know, actually reading into this a little bit more. I don't know. That's just me. But either way, I think it's important. It's a part of our faith. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big deal. 
So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I hope I didn't dive too deep into the, you know, why baptism is necessary and all that stuff, but I thought it was important and understanding that there is actual scripture on this and it can be debated, sure, all day. But at the end of the day, you know, we are relying on God's word to guide us through and I think we should be looking to that for our answers. All right, that's enough Jack talking. Pray with me, y'all. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us grace through your son, our savior, that no action we ever do could achieve that grace. I pray that as we go throughout this life you have blessed us with, we focus more on loving you and our neighbors and less on how much stuff we can acquire or how many attaboys we can get from others. Help us focus on living a humble life, not living for ourselves, but for you and our family in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.